Hello, and welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit podcast. My name is Jennifer Schwartz. I'm the hostess and creator of this podcast, where we are dedicated to effective thinking through potent exercise. Join myself, a neuromuscular therapist and studio owner in Alexandria, Virginia, along with my co-host for conversations and topics such as high-performance athletic training, how our brain codes movement in exercise or sports, all the way to fixing fixing broken priorities that have been handed down to us by the fitness industry and even all the way to yoga and functional medicine for holistic fitness. In this show, you will find podcast conversations with experts across the board related to these topics who are inspired by what they do and are passionate about getting it out there to those who are ready to learn. Ultimately, my goal is to provide the setting for facilitating these conversations that help us activate our individual and collective potential by feeding our brains to strengthen our bodies. New episodes are released on Wednesdays and secondarily on Mondays for five to six episodes per month. We would love to keep in touch with you via our newsletter at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com. Please sign up for our free newsletter so that you can dive deeper into these concepts and the conversations. I assure you, that there is nothing like it in the fitness online space. It would also be my absolute honor to know that you are learning from this content. Please send us an email or leave us a message on our SpeakPipe link at speakpipe.com slash thinkfitbefit. I look forward to learning and growing with you as we navigate complicated situations and thrive in our fitness. Before I introduce our guest and give you our announcements and a lovely conversation, I want you to think about something that you can do for 10 minutes a day that can change your health, improve your immune system, and help you actualize all the things that you act, that you want from fitness. The chemicals, the body, the sleep, the energy regulation, the mood regulation, all of that stuff, there's a magic ingredient and it's a practice and it's called mindfulness. And this is a term that has been painted and Instagram and memed and probably not memed, Instagrammed and shown all over the internet, just thrown around this word, mindfulness. Well, my guest today has been working in this field and even taught at Stanford University's Health Promotion Center and has studied Eastern cultural cultural studies to help us understand this word on a deeper level and integrate it into our life. Her name is Shirley Archer. Mindfulness, as I said, a word that's been thrown around, is a practice, and it's um, refreshing your mind for several minutes a day, simply by being and experiencing the present moment. That is, there's no need for incense or sitting in uncomfortable positions to achieve this. 
It can be done standing in nature for 10 minutes. And so from Cornell's medicine, from, <laughs> from Cornell Medicine's stress reduction program, I found this wonderful list of things that we can tangibly embrace if we have mindfulness in our day. And that's lasting decreases in physical and psychological stress symptoms. So, um, yeah, we really need that right now. Uh, it also it gives us an increased ability to relax and get into the moment and flow. Flow is something I've welcomed into my life as of recent, as I am a very hustle-minded, athletic person and very competitive Flow is not something I understood outside of the yoga studio when I was younger. So integrating it into everyday life comes with mindfulness and flow is like a beautiful thing to welcome into your life and into your exercise. Mindfulness can, a mindfulness practice can reduce pain levels and enhance the ability to cope with chronic pain. And this is a medical, you know, medically cited thing that we can gain. And I cannot emphasize that enough. We can have greater energy and enthusiasm for life with a mindfulness practice. We can have improved self-esteem, go, go, go. And an ability to cope more effectively with both short and long-term stressful situations, which is the name of the game in 2020. The 2020 overload is is hopefully challenging us to be in a mindfulness practice. So let's talk about Shirley. Um, She's an integrative health thought leader, and she's internationally recognized and a best-selling author. She's written 16 books. She is very active in the online space. I encourage you to check out her YouTube channel. It's full of 10 to 15 meditation uh, videos, 10 to 15 minute meditation videos. And I sent her playlist for meditation for coronavirus out to my clients because I thought it was that efficient and that great. She has a SoundCloud channel, and it's super cool. You can take her on a nature walk so that you can use the natural environment to enhance your fitness, enhance your mindfulness practice. Her Facebook, ton of activity on there as well. She has little mindful activities, present, being present exercises, and she's promoting mindfulness in in very few minutes at a time, and I cannot recommend these resources more. She has membership-based classes, thousands of publications, and all of her socials can be found at shirleyarcher.com. Like I said, she's the author of 16 books. She's a graduate of Stanford University, Harvard University, and Georgetown Law. She um, was a, the, the, not a, the 2008 Idea Fitness Trainer of the Year, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, the only one that I know, and I've been in this business for a while. So she has over 25 years of experience in mind, body, holistic health and wellness. She's a former New York City attorney turned full-time integrative health advocate, meditation teacher, public speaker, author, and yogi. Through her Live Younger blog, over a thousand magazine articles, 
books, podcasts, and videos, surely inspires people worldwide to take personal responsibility for creating optimal health and longevity through a mindful approach to healthy living, along with simple to apply tips based on Eastern wisdom and evidence-based information. So her publications include the best-selling books, features in the Washington Post, and even the, a 15-year career at Stanford University at the Health Improvement Program and Health Promotion Resource Center. And her master's degree is from Harvard in East Asian Studies. Today's episode, we cover Eastern wisdom and evidence-based mindfulness. Um, and what evidence-based means, this is my f- one of my favorite parts of this episode, because I'm choosing a evidence-based approach. And that is very hard because I also um, live and breathe spirituality and end of one case studies. So I can't have enough of these conversations and practice in attaining evidence-based information. So we talk about opportunists and vanity marketing and how it has harmed the wellness and fitness marketplace. We talk about mental hygiene and present-based exercises, so how we can ground into the present. We talk about this wonderful and one of my favorite topics ever, which is the resilience of the human body. This episode for me, it gives me a vision of what public health could look like. And the idea of sharing the techniques and and how to of getting more mindful and getting more grounded in our exercise is so exciting to me because I know it will change your exercise. So this is a really important episode for me because I really believe we can share that. Uh, We did share that and you'll hear that very shortly. And uh, these conversations, you know, they always end up being special and something that I can learn from and be reflective about. So learning from someone who is a best-selling author and has essentially paved the way for health awareness it, you know, for someone like me is such an honor. And I had an aha moment during this conversation where I realized that mindfulness is definitely a skill that could always get better. And for me, the mantra right now is going to be get out of your head, breathe and be present. And for someone who has been practicing meditation for decades, since I was 16, 17 years old, I need these reminders. So I'm just going to go ahead and say you probably do too. (laughs) Um, I included a lot of links to her stuff, including his YouTube and the SoundCloud and of course her website. I also included a Washington Post article that she was featured in about fitness myths. It was in 2013, but you guys, this is not groundbreaking from, you know, a year ago. We are talking about ancient wisdom and using it in our everyday life and integrating it into our outlook and our joyful fitness practice. Okay, and just one really fun announcement is that I'm hosting a free webinar, really a masterclass on how to upgrade home exercise. So 
I focus on fundamental exercises, squat, lunge, push-up, burpee, plank, and make these exercises more functional for you to increase your strength, enabling you to recover from lingering tightness uh, and maybe even injuries because that's really where I focus my work in my everyday like face-to-face, mask-to-mask client work is giving people techniques and exercises on how to like wake up these areas of old injuries. So honestly, I just really want to help people understand the connection between our mind, our bodies, and how we frame the relationship with fitness through our thinking. So if our thinking's off, so is our exercise. And I've been doing this in person for 10 years, so I'm taking a stab at this webinar format, and I hope you join us. It's free, and all you have to do is sign up at movementpathways.com or just sign up for the newsletter and hit reply on the email, and I will give you the link to sign up, and I truly hope to see you there. It will, um, I don't have the date yet, but it'll be on a Thursday in the middle of the day, Eastern Standard Time. And I really am excited to share this stuff with you guys and my clients because I really think building a home exercise routine and a really smart way to approach it is a really good plan going forward. I really hate people. I hate to see people get wrapped up on the idea that um, they, they have to go to the gym to get a good workout. Yes, you need equipment at some time, at some level, but not all the time. Like let, we, we can work on what we can control and we can do it at home. This webinar does not require any equipment, any additional bands, but I will talk through some strategies on how to use really simple things at home and just body weight for um, the upgrade to the exercise. Anyways, sign up at movementpathways.com. You can find me on the web at impactyourfitness.net at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com. And then on Instagram at Jennifer underscore Simone underscore Schwartz. That's my name. Anyways, I really hope you enjoy this conversation and hang out with us on social at thinkfitbefit underscore podcast on Facebook and Instagram. I literally just did a live to introduce this podcast and... I would love to hang out with you guys virtually. So let's do it on social. I have a personal brand that I am on Instagram as well. Jennifer underscore Simone underscore Schwartz, where I'm exercising and doing all things self-care and loving, uh, you know, being mindful in my exercise. I'll show you how it's done. It's all grammed up. And last but not least... Please join the newsletter so you can dive deeper with us and receive the invites for the webinar, for my course, and all the things that we are teaching and asking and discovering. So I think this is, you know, being a think fit, be fit, intellectual thinker requires a mindset of being a lifelong learner 
and holding beliefs that we can talk about in an intellectual way about our body and about our exercise. So we're doing that on the newsletter and a little bit on Instagram. So I hope to see you there and enjoy this conversation and have a wonderful week. I've really had fun uh, getting to know all your content and your publications. Uh, I went through a couple of your videos on uh, ShirleyArcher.com and I want to share some of those with my clients like immediately because you're speaking to something that's so important now um, and it's important for thinking about fitness in the long term and living a younger, more fulfilling life. So I'm very excited to have you here. Thank you so much, Shirley. Uh, can you please introduce yourself and uh, a little bit about how you got here um, in, in our little Zoom uh, world here? <laughs> uh, sure, my name is Shirley Archer. I've been in the business for 25 years, <laughs> a long time. I actually started my career as a Wall Street lawyer and crashed and burned, was eventually diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. And through that process of experiencing my own health destruction and going through the medical system in to try to heal myself and feel normal again, I learned so much. And I really profoundly connected with my mind-body-heart connection, and that became the journey for me from there on out. And I really wanted to share with everyone uh, what I felt I did not know because I considered myself an intelligent and educated person and yet somehow I had played a role in creating a health outcome that was nothing that I wanted. And so it's been my passion ever since to learn everything I can about the natural ways in which we can create our health because the conventional medical system really failed me. And to empower people to create the health and happiness that they deserve to enjoy. And since then, I've written 16 books. I've run multiple awards. I won the 2008 Idea Fitness Instructor of the Year Award. I've won multiple writing awards. I had a best-selling, uh, couple best-selling books. And uh, I worked 15 years at the Stanford Prevention Research Center as a health educator. So... Yeah, what is the Stanford uh, Prevention Healthcare Center? Uh, it is one of the leading and pioneering institutes for preventive medicine. And the original founder, he just recently passed, he lived to his 90s, uh, but he was one of the foremost researchers in the 1950s to connect the dots between what we eat our nutrition, and exercise with heart disease. Before then, this was considered radical. People did not see that connection. It wasn't even until the 1980s that a lot of research started to come out about the role of exercise in promoting heart health. They really were not looking at 
the, our lifestyle habits and connecting that with our overall health. Mm. That I, I love that. I um, I've been following Stanford on their uh, strength and conditioning work um, and their uh, pain science work, which is just so. Uh, it's prolific. It's bold. It's um, it's just wonderful, and I am so pleased to have have some of that wisdom here. That's amazing. Um, speaking of wisdom, I read on your uh, website, like your I, I think part of your mission statement. Your approach blends Eastern wisdom, proven evidence based strategies to help you calm and clear your mind to make lifestyle choices that optimize your health to live younger and longer that I um, I totally identify with I love the word optimize I love the term live younger and um, I'm wondering when you uh, m- met up and came up with that philosophy or has it evolved over the 25 years? Um, thanks that's such a great question It's so interesting because when you work with the conventional medical system and they talk about normal or healthy, what they're really referencing is the absence of disease. And this is is a baseline of health that isn't ideal. Mm -hmm. Not being sick (laughs) is not really how we want to live. We want to be vigorous. We want to have energy. We want to optimize human potential for health and well-being, which is very different from the absence of illness. It's so interesting. Um, I know you work with clients. I worked with clients for many years, and people would say, "Well, my doctor tells me everything is fine," and I, but but I feel tired and I don't feel good. And I'm I'm and what I'm say to them is that what your doctor is referencing is that you're not sick. And that's very different from having optimum health. So we're going to work on boosting your health so that you can really enjoy your best health. And, you know, that's something different for each person. And and what I like about the combination of Eastern wisdom with evidence-based science is that we really are a very exciting place now when it comes to science, because for the first time, we can really know how to optimize our, our health. We know what the human potential for longevity is. They say we could absent any faults potentially live as long as 120. Like nobody really wants to live to 120, but the human body can actually attain that. Um, And what I like about the combination is that traditional practices really uh, have focused on a holistic way of perceiving the body, the life and health and including the whole mind-body-heart equation, which is absent from conventional medicine that really is looking us at us as an organic being um, and not... Con- it, it is now finally having the technology to start looking at how thoughts and emotions 
actually affect our physiology, but this is very recent. You know, the latest neuroscientific um, findings are absolutely fantastic and and so interesting. But what it's basically doing is substantiating a lot of this ancient wisdom. Mm, Yeah, I, I can see that. And it also is very exciting to me. One of the things out of the neuroscience world that has stuck with me um, is that stress can change the structure of your brain. You know, it can change the size of different, um, you know, I guess cells and like boundaries and membranes. And that to me is uh, just a huge I don't know. It really speaks to me. It really speaks to me because we can change well into our, you know, middle decades, later decades, middle, later decades. And they uh, and that's something my dad doesn't understand, you know, and my you know, and I had to be taught it. So it's definitely not something all of us understand that stress and the other side of stress, which is exercise and mindfulness can change the structure of our brain. Um, But yeah, seeing the science being able to catch up to these uh, older wisdom um, concepts and philosophies is something that truly brings me joy. (laughs) Um, So speaking of that, You're someone that has had the experience to communicate this to a large amount of people that like just tickles me up and down. Like I just love it. Um, So can you speak to uh, being evidence-based, sharing the, on this continuum and, and being in even the academic world and what evidence-based means for you? Well, what was fascinating for me when I worked at the center, which was interdisciplinary, so there were exercise physiologists, there were cardiologists, there were nutritionists, people from all uh, backgrounds, but what people don't really understand is that research, the purpose of researchers is to conduct studies, to design well-constructed studies with scientific methodology, and to create findings to get those findings published, peer-reviewed, ideally in the top most respected journals, and then they move on to the next research findings. And they don't spend time actually sharing that information with the public. And I had been uh, very fortunate at the time that I worked for the center because there was a huge uh, donation created to have a resource center for disseminating that information out to the public. And that was part of my job was to help communicate the findings of research that were great in terms of what we knew about scientifically based ways in which we could successfully lose weight and keep it off, that we could reduce blood pressure through changes in lifestyle activities, that we could uh, stop smoking successfully, that there, there were very exciting things that needed to get out into the public. So um, I think we had talked about earlier, and I don't know if you wanted me to answer that here, about the problems with evidence-based issues today. Mm-hmm. Please do, yeah. Oh, so part of the 
challenge that we're facing today is the, the proliferation of open access journals is a plus and a minus because it's fantastic from keeping knowledge available to the public. So like uh, PLOS one plus one is fantastic top notch amongst the best journals and is open access. And that's very valuable that we can have this. But some opportunists have taken upon themselves to use the internet as a way to make money. And we have what's called predatory and vanity journals. And the so what we now have is a marketplace where one needs to be a very critical consumer of the information that you come upon because it may have the uh, appearance of a legitimate scientific journal, but actually someone has simply paid to have something published. They may or may not have even conducted a study. They make up data, they make up facts, and it's not peer reviewed, and yet it looks, it has all the appearances of legitimate information. And then you have media outlets, which are equally illegitimate, that then publish and spread this information. So one needs to be a very critical consumer of what you read on the internet. And that's why I think it's important that the public have resources like you, like me, who have experience in education and know how to read studies and know how to vet the actual information from the fake information of which, unfortunately, there is a lot um, floating around today. Yeah, I still work on that as a skill. Um, And I I think that's one of the missing pieces is that we're not taught that distracting information is a skill. Um, As a lawyer, a trained lawyer is that I think that's probably one of the things that you're trained to do as a a theme in in school. Um, And I am not good at it. On it, meaning like it just takes me a while to uh, get the nuts and bolts of, of um, the study or the review. And so I've gone out of my way and I have, I work with a young, um, I guess I call him my mentor. His name's Gregory. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. You guys are going to hear from him a bunch more in the fall. And he sits down with me on zoom or FaceTime and we go through three or four studies and he helps, he helps me, um, work through those things. And this is a, I I call it tutoring. (laughs) Um, I'm 38 years old and I'm getting tutored and I'm totally, uh, I, I, I think it's, it's been very helpful and rewarding and efficient to be honest with you. Um, because, you know, it's, it's helping me be accountable to all those things you just said. So I, um, I can't hear enough of the how to on the get better information, (laughs) uh, goal of mine. Um, cool. I, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Let me share one other thing because I write a monthly column for fitness journal magazine called headlines. And so what I do is I do a quick lit um, research survey mm-hmm. every month of new studies that come out, and 
I came across findings recently about the amount of misinformation, uh, particularly among social influencers. So people need to be very careful. You know, they said what 80, there was a UK study and they said 80% of the most popular social influencers in the fitness space were not qualified to share the information that they share. Basically, they're attractive, they're personally fit, but they have not ever engaged in studying about how to train other people. They just know what's good for their own body and they're they're mostly young and, and so they have good genetics and people listen to what they say. Another area in which there's a lot of misinformation is in the nutrition field. And there's there are huge financial incentives to sell a lot of supplements and things that people don't need. So this is also a problem creating a lot of wrong information and preying upon people's hopes for quick fixes. Yeah, and preying upon their need for human connection too. You know, um, I, uh, I, you know, I'm I'm looking at like for example, I'm watching podcast trends for obvious reasons, and I love marketing. So I read these podcast journals, and you know the the big buzz right now is doing the watching people talk on YouTube essentially. <laughs> and, um, and I, you know, and I'm like, wow, that watching the mouth move and seeing the skin and seeing the eyes like really does something for us, you know, just like your background is, you know, you're trying to elicit something from your conversations, right. And set the, set the, the mood, if you will. So, yeah, I think they're preying upon that too. Um, the need for human connection, which is uh, an obvious uh, big thing right now that we all, you know, we absolutely need. You know, we're supposed to be distanced, but our hearts are not supposed to be distanced. Um, so, uh, um, so that I think that's a good transition into actual mindfulness. <laughs> um, so, where does it get us, you know, kind of, I call it fluffy, uh, in the mindfulness, um, world, like how, how, how do I know, um, someone that's not, you know, uh, evidence-based or academically trained, uh, to teach mindfulness and, um, how do I, fi- yeah, how do I find the right person if I, if I haven't found you? Yeah, that's a great question because it's another one of these very buzzy words right now. So suddenly everybody's teaching mindfulness. Uh, Mindfulness does not need to be complicated. It is essentially living fully engaged in the present moment. One of my friends hates the word mindfulness because she says it should be mindlessness. Because what we're trying to do is to get out of our head in the thoughts and to actually experience what we're doing in the present. So that's all that that term means. And a lot of us spend a lot of time living in our head, what I like to call overthinking. We're worrying about the past. We're worrying about the future. We're replaying events in our head. We're daydreaming, we're spacing out, we're, we're disassociating. Um, 
and the digitized uh, virtual world contributes even more to that because we're able to have this kind of imaginary existence online that's completely independent of our physical life. So, so it's important form of what I would like to call just mental hygiene, just grounding and, and being present and being embodied. Mm, yeah. Um, that brought up for me in the exercise world, we definitely throw away, throw around that name, uh, that term mindful, mindfulness. And one of the things that I see that instructors do that is the antithesis of mindfulness is they try to overload their clients with cues and instructions and feedback. And then the trainer starts talking about their lunch and their boyfriend <laughs> or whatever. And, you know, <laughs> anybody who's tried to learn how to swing a tennis racket or a golf club in their adult life knows that you cannot focus on more than one thing at a time. Um, <laughs> so that goes for us trying to improve our body too, right? Yeah. Um, so can you speak to the, you know, how you teach like, um, goal setting and mindfulness and bringing joy to exercise? Sure, sure. That's one of my passions. Yeah. Well, what I like to do before I start every session, which I would love for every trainer to do, is I just take one to two minutes to get present. And all that involves is standing and breathing, you know, maybe just do a couple deep breaths, moving the arms, feeling the breath in the body, feeling the feet on the floor. So really all the kinesthetic information that's available, encouraging people to experience that, close the eyes, feel the temperature, um, notice what you can observe right now, right here in your body. Is there any ache? Is there any pain? Is Do you feel, what's your energy level like? Just notice because there's so much information available to us. Our bodies are speaking to us all the time. They're, they're actually miraculous. And then I have people focus on sound and not any sound in particular, but just to be aware of the richness of sound. And then to open the eyes and to just notice the light, the shadow, the variety of colors. You know, we can't attend to this amount of detail all the time because we would be overwhelmed. But it's important to wake up the senses in order to just get present. And, and people really love that. And then that gathers the energy and focus right here, right now. And then as you proceed with your training, you can encourage people to really feel it, what they're doing in their muscle. Focus on the exact muscle they're flexing. Can you feel the energy rise? Can you notice the contraction and the relaxation? You know, this kind of micro attention to the very basic uh, basics of the experience and actually that's so refreshing because you get out of all that rumination you're not thinking about anything else because wow I'm just thinking about how I'm executing this one particular movement and my breath yeah I uh yeah I I use a I call it a grounding practice for the start of my sessions and 
uh, that's through the feet. That's, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I used to be very mechanical about it because I thought I was like working on my foot strength. And the challenge for me in mindfulness has been to be less mechanical focused and more flow and more optimizing the learning process and what my brain is doing and getting all those like sexy, gorgeous chemicals in my brain that are going to make me look younger, feel younger, move better, you know, and have, um, and so being a mechanically based person and trying to move out of that, um, is very challenging, you know? Um, yeah. So, um, do you have, uh, tips and techniques for like the 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 analytical you know before you just like keep you know keep pressing on that button of of focus and intentional and and getting within I think it helps to focus on the breath yeah the breath is always occurring in the present moment Mm -hmm. and you can always anchor your attention in the breath and you can also anchor your attention in wherever your contact with the ground is. So if you're walking, it's the soles of your feet. If you're lying, it's the back. Or So this, this is a very immediate impression. And if you keep connecting with that, then it helps you get out of thinking about what you're feeling and actually just being with the experience. I want to share a, a story about one client I worked with when I was taking a group on a meditation, a mindful walking experience. And she showed up and she was very excited. And I said, we're going to go for 45 minutes. And she said, Oh, my gosh, you know, I have knee arthritis, I didn't realize that we would be gone for that long. And I can't walk more than 15 minutes. So I said, Okay, no problem. What We'll stay here. We'll do some things here for a while. Then we'll walk. And then when we get to the seven minute mark, I'll let you know and you can turn around and go back and you'll be fine. And I took them through a a mindful warm up and different present based exercises and then cued them through. And we did a lot of things accessing nature. That's why I like being outside because nature is very rich in um, sensory cues that keep you in the present. And you know, I I let her know. And she's, you know, she kind of winked at me. She's okay. And she kept with it. And she made it to the whole walk. Mm. I I get chills right now. And she was tears in her eyes, hug at the end of the walk. And she said, I haven't walked that far in years. Mm -hmm. And what it was, was that the label of arthritis and the fact that her doctor had said, you can't do this, you can't do that. She had bought into this limitation. And by being very present and by staying connected to actually what she was feeling each moment, yes, I can take this step. Yes, I can take this another step. I'm okay with this. I'm feeling good. You know, just constantly staying in touch with what she was experiencing right at that moment. She was able to do it. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I live for those moments. That's my job. You know, so I get it. I. That's beautiful. <laughs> but that's what you know. Being able to get out of the head and out of the labels and into just your actual experience, you you have this potential that you 
can tap into that you may think you don't have. You know, a lot of our limitations are in the mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I often want to know, um, I, 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 the thought experiment that I like to give my clients and sometimes in the newsletter uh, centers around this idea, you know, have you, are you, are you convinced that you can live out the potential of your body? You know, how um, have we taken a minute to think about the, uh, like an optimistic swing, you know, not necessarily like everything goes downhill, you know, like that's uh, obviously what we're conditioned to believe. And when, if, can you even imagine like stepping out of that mentally and, you know, what would that do? to your fitness. I, uh, I play with that all the time and I play with it in a way to say, how are there 80 different ways I can ask this question? So I can just keep asking it and keep reminding people, you know? (laughs) Um, Well, absolutely. I mean, I love the research that shows that even in your seventies, through consistent training, people can build muscle mass. I mean, that is incredibly exciting. You can, you know, it starts to slow down after 80. (laughs) But through your 70s, I mean, this is spectacular. You can build, keep building lean body mass. This is how resilient our human body is. Mm -hmm. And that's not even, I mean, in my brain, it's not controversial at all to see it, believe it, and read it because there's um, uh, amazing uh, scientific research on um, how, you know, they'll like cast somebody and see how much protein they need to keep a muscle and then, you know, take that, take that data and apply it to someone who has uh, sar- sar- sarcopenia, penia? yeah, yeah. Um, muscle loss that is associated with age, which is very natural, very normal. And then they see 200% strength gains in just a few, um, I'm going to say as little, probably, mm, I I feel safe saying three weeks, you know, Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. up to, you know, they'll probably study someone for what, like six months at the most in a strength training protocol. Um, And yeah, that stuff is not controversial for me to believe, but I would think that if I told my dad that, or um, me, even someone in their mid thirties that has an old injury, and they're like, "No, this is my injury. I, this is this is what holds me back." And when we tell when when you tell that to someone, then they get they have a lot of resistance internally. I can see that happening a lot. So yeah, there's not enough ways to say it, you know. Right, and this is what mindfulness helps with. Because it helps you connect not with this preconception of what you think you can or cannot do, but where you are right now today. Because we're a living organism, and that's changing all the time. And where you are today is not the same as where you're going to be tomorrow, and it's not the same as yesterday. And it's that, you know, what they call in Zen, sort of beginner's mind. But it's just taking each moment fresh, you know, bending your knee. How much can you do? I don't know. It's different today. Yeah. We wake up with a new body mm-hmm. every day. And uh, yeah, so the, my, yeah, so mindfulness in the moment, even when you're having pain, like 
that is a huge learning moment, you know, when you can learn how to trust your body, how to, um, and it's not like a fight through the pain kind of lesson we're trying to show people. We're trying to show them that, uh, there's, there's other conclusions to be drawn, you know, and I love that term, the beginner's mind. I love, love that. That was, that was something that really hit home with me when I first started reading about Buddhism and, um, you know, and maybe, you know, it just, it, it just real, I have a very young kind of curiosity about me. So to me, I was like, oh, that, that's my jam like that. <laughs> um, so anyways, um, I want to know what, um, when you work with a group of people or, um, what is, when, when you see a change in mindfulness, like how, how long does it take to elicit a change and then eventually see it in their behavior like where they don't even notice that they're being mindful and then they are able to like really reap the benefits in their every day like what's the what's the client what's the learning journey there you know it doesn't take very long mm -hmm. because it feels so good <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> because it's stressful to be worrying all the time <laughs> about what if and oh my god I really did that and oh my god what happens if this happens I mean this is this is a cause of a lot of distress mm -hmm. and I find that if I, I like to also close any kind of workout with just a brief meditation with a, a cool down mm -hmm. and once people get used to that, because I'm teaching relaxation skills, um, learning how to connect with the breath, learning how to progressively relax the muscles. These are skills that anyone can learn and can be useful. You know, let's say you just can't fall asleep at night. You learn how to contract and relax and release tension and you, you can go to sleep more easily. But so people, once they start experiencing the fact that the they have this inner peace and calm that there's this deep reservoir of stillness and peace within then they want to experience that more and i tell them it's not me I'm helping you access what's already inside of you. I'm facilitating you to get in touch with that part of you that knows calm, mm -hmm. that part of you that knows how to simply rest and be. And and so, you know, I I two weeks I people are sold. <laughs> Yeah, the, for once they're surprised, twice they're like, mm. after another week, they're like, you know, this is really great. And then they start seeing it trickle over into other aspects of their life where they are able to fall asleep more easily, where they're not losing their temper as quickly, where they have more patience and it, yeah. it, the benefits are there because they realize, wow, I don't have to just react. I can breathe and be. Yeah, yeah. that's... Um so, um, how do you recommend that people measure their mindfulness or, you know, is it like a goal, like something tangible, like we can, uh, measure like, um, like body composition or, um, how many steps we can do in two minutes, you know? Um, of course in research, they have, uh, inventories, you know, trait inventory 
surveys you can take that actually can assess trait mindfulness, but I don't think we need to go to that extent. Personally, I think that it takes practice and it's better to, you know, you don't have to meditate, but being quiet for five minutes on a consistent basis is a way of creating a habit of mind, just like brushing your teeth or taking a shower. It's a habit. And when you start training your mind to be peaceful, it then you start noticing when you lose it. And it you'll know over time because you start becoming more and more aware. And that's just a progressive journey. It 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 is a discipline and you train your brain. You talked about the structural changes. There are structural and functional changes in the brain that occur from a regular meditation practice. And it is like training your biceps. It it is something that is developed over time. Yeah. Yeah. I um I I think that um, we would see changes in like a functional MRI, right? In that type of reading where you, they show the different colors and, um, you know, uh, I, the way that I've been connecting with the idea of mindfulness is helping people with, you know, their, their old injuries and through pain science, which I am always amazed you know, every time I learn something from that world, I'm like, wow, I'm so glad we are studying the experience of pain and not, um, and, and not the, um, the, just the disappearance of it. Like it's some binary black or white thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So what, um, is your, uh, you, you've been talking and, um, writing about nature often. Um, how do you teach that where you are now, which we haven't even, um, <laughs> and how do you facilitate that in the virtual world? How do you, sure, bring, how do you sure. bring in nature to the virtual? Or just tell us about what you're learning in the nature space and why you're doing it. Um, I kind of skipped ahead there. No worries. So I'm very, after working with people for 25 years in this fitness and health, integrative health space, I really see nature as a very effective pathway to stimulate mindfulness and also um, reawaken people to the simple joy of movement and, and being alive. And I'm also reading a lot of the research related to what they call green exercise and all of the benefits. So there's something more to uh, being active outdoors than being uh, walking and running on a treadmill. You get a multiplicity of benefits from the outdoor stimulation. And they found that even the color green creates a sense of um, 
soothingness. So what's interesting about the same kind of workout from indoors to outdoors is that what we find outdoors is that we ex- we have actually more energy. We we feel more energized. We're less likely to get fatigued and yet we have a relaxation around that energy. So it's this calm energy which is great. I mean that's what we all want. It's alert but not tense. You know, not vigilant but awake and and really ultimately alive. And, you know, outdoors is such a sensory rich environment and we are creatures of nature. You know, we're mammals. We have so much in common with every other mammal on this planet. And we need to feel the grass and smell the air and enjoy the the sensations of the breeze and the temperature on our skin and the, the smells. And it's, there's so many studies that show that being outside, particularly in green or blue environments and near water, are very calming and yet re-energizing at the same time. And the most interesting line of research I've come across lately suggests that this is related to dopamine. Dopamine is is the uh, one of our neurotransmitters that is um, highly involved in addiction, and it's also involved in motivating behavior. It's, it's kind of the chemical that gets us to do things. And what they find that is when we're in these natural environments, that that gets calmed. And some research theorize, and this is not at all established yet, that perhaps we are able to enter, you know, the parasympathetic or the relaxation side of the nervous system when we're in these natural settings, because we don't, we feel that we're surrounded by plenty. So we don't need to go out. We don't, there are, as long as we don't have a fear of predators, we're content. Mm-hmm. We have everything we need. There's water, there's fresh air, there's um, space. And that's a very soothing and, and that even stimulates our creativity because it's restorative for the mind. It's, 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 the research is very compelling. Yeah, it, it, it is. Um, I, when I read Blue Mind, um, when it came out, I don't know, um, Dr. Nichols. Yeah, William Nichols, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. The Blue Mind. When that came out, I was astonished by how much there is out there. And he's a marine biologist who wrote this book about human nature in water and how Mm -hmm. beneficial it is from, I mean, it was like head to toe, literally beneficial for us. And that if we were out in nature just for three days and did a camping trip, we could completely like reset our circadian rhythms and our, I mean, that's, that's it. They're circadian rhythms of the body. Yeah. Also the immune system. That's right. Yep. Yeah. The killer T cells in the immune system. Yeah. So um, what's at stake? You know, what, how, why do we need to be mindful? What, you know, why do we need this? What's at stake here? Um, is it, I think it's much more than, um, my my favorite theme which is unproductive exercise like that's my enemy to me is if i see somebody and they're being unproductive with their exercise i get i get really <laughs> i get really fired up 
Um, what is it for you? What what is it that what's at stake? You know, for our you know, it's it's really all about you know how I burned out and learned very profoundly as a Wall Street attorney about the negative effects of stress on the body and we are literally harming ourselves from living in a state of constant vigilance and stress. It's hardening our arteries. It's it's putting more sugar into our bloodstream. It's causing us to have sleepless nights. It's affecting our digestion. It's affecting our gut microbiome. It's, I mean, it's just such a ripple effect. It's and now, and it affects inflammation in the body, which is a key to the health of the immune system, which is a key to our overall health. So, you know, getting mindful, and that's why I'm really focusing on teaching this as a pathway for creating a healthy and happy life. And then, you know, I help people get clear and present about what they want and who they are and their authenticity and the beauty of their self uh, outside of all the external messaging, this is how you can begin to optimize your health. You know, finding the joy in the movement and not beating, you know, you talk about wasteful exercise. I mean, if we're exercising and hating ourselves. Because we think our body isn't good enough, that's that's never going to result in a positive outcome. Because if you don't feel that your body's good enough, it's never going to be good enough. Because you, what who, what standard are you using to determine what that is? You know. So when we return to authenticity and start feeling how we feel, you know, you know, if you feel good, you know, if you have energy, you know, if, if your body moves how you want it to move, that is really going to open the door to very positive, productive training and, and enjoy in just everyday life. Because that's, you know, I think if anything, this pandemic has taught us, that's, that's all we got, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. So, oh, I got, I got a few different things in my head here. One, um, you, uh, okay. So I'll start with this, this wonderful analogy that, um, Malcolm Gladwell has about, um, our society and sports. <laughs> so this metaphor he has that a soccer team, um, when you want to improve a soccer team, you actually start with the worst player on the team because it's a weak link sport. So if you get 11 people out there and you have two of them that are not up to par, they're at 60% today, that is going to impact you um, throughout the 90 minutes, okay? There's no doubt. Basketball team is the opposite. So if you want to improve your basketball team, you got to hire LeBron. Like you got to hire the best player because how um, short and explosive um, the nature of basketball is, you know, you raise the level of play by adding a, a stud, essentially. Um, so he compared our pandemic to the soccer team that we have weak links and in the health and wellness and a progressive thinker like you, um, could see these holes before you could see that, Oh, all that success 
that you think you have is not real, you know, because you're living in this, um, you know, you're not seeing the weak links, you know, we're not seeing the, and when it comes to health, this undercurrent of our mindfulness and the undercurrent of our belief in ourselves, that thing you just spoke about, that's our weak link. And that's the thing that we can, we can ride, we can raise and that it can improve our game. The only thing that we have, which is that joy, which is our sovereignty with, and the freedom that we might feel within our body. And, oh, if we don't have it, we're screwed right now, no matter what your economic or, um, because I've talked to several of my friends. I've been a massive connector during this time. I know you're not surprised to hear that. Um, but I've felt more connected to people than I ever have. Um, since March and my friends of very high socioeconomic status are at, some of them are absolutely miserable because they missed these weak links. They missed these players on their team. And so I would be so upset if somebody didn't cut, if they came across my podcast and didn't get to your site and what you're doing now, because <laughs> These are the weak links. These are the things we can work on. Um, and, um, and you know, something you said in our initial call was um, nature wants us to be healthy. And I wrote that down because I just, I, I, my heart exploded. I think that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Um, so, you know, tell us about your virtual space, what you're doing, um, I've spent some time on your site, and I, 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 I love it. So please tell us, tell us everything. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And I love your analogy about the weak link. That's so powerful. I love it. Yeah. Uh, yes. So I have created a website with four pillars: happiness and mindfulness, um, health and fitness, home and uh, nutrition and beauty and style and I define beauty and style as our own inner beauty it, it comes from a story my mother told me actually when I was a child when uh, I'm biracial and people called me names and she took me to the garden and said uh, I'll, I'll cut it short but you know look at the rose look at the peony look at the daisy you know the rose is never going to be a beautiful daisy the daisy is never going to be a beautiful uh, peony each of them are beautiful and the garden is beautiful with all the different flowers in it and 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 this is this is the metaphor be beautiful for who you are she said the daisy is not trying to be a rose <laughs> the daisy is being the best daisy it can <laughs> and so you know it's it's and that's what I really try to encourage in all these aspects of life and I really um, try to offer tips in each because I think that it doesn't have to be complicated that we can make simple choices every day you know we wake up we drink lots of water or tea or fluids we uh, try to get good quality sleep we try to eat healthy foods we work on our attitude and mind by enjoying some mindfulness we try to get outside you know it's all these things collectively that create health and, and joy and happiness and and so i have the blog and then i have a youtube channel 
and a podcast with the various guided meditations. I have things you can use before you walk, before you sleep. You know, meditation is great because you, different kinds of meditation can put you in a mindset to do different things and, and lots of helpful tips. And I'm starting an online course next month, which will be, uh, you can go to stopoverthinkingcourses.com. So it will all be around Stop Overthinking, Start Living Now. Because I wanted to actually even get away from the word mindfulness because it, of what we talked about earlier. It's becoming a word that almost doesn't mean anything. And it's really about getting out of the head and start being embodied, you know, enjoying living in this body, appreciating the wisdom that the body has and, and understanding how to train the mind to align all of your energies, mind, body, and heart, to create the, the beautiful life that you want to have and to enjoy the life you have right now. Yeah, that, yeah. And another thing that I think you do really well is uh, you, you, you embody and teach the practical side of spirituality. And you don't use that word because, like, I get it. I, I am, um, I'm on, I've enjoyed diving into the spiritual world a lot, and I have no practical <laughs> sense of how to share it with people because my my version of it has been impractical. I've spent so much time, and um, you know, I have fallen in love with it. So, what is practical spirit spirituality, and you know, how do you, um, you know? How do you embody it and teach it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's a great question. It's so funny because I work with a coach and, and she's helping me create my online course. And I told her, you know, seriously, Jane, most people, they don't want to go to the astral plane. They just want to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like not taking people into the ether. I'm just helping them to feel calm. <laughs> Yeah. Let's start there. But so I think that's practical spirituality. But I think I try to stay away from that word because it's loaded and everyone has such a different idea as to what it means. And I think when if I wanted to come to what I would think is kind of a universal definition, there are certain questions in the universe that can't be answered by science. Like why is there life? Yeah. <laughs> We don't know. It's just here. And it's a miracle. It is that we don't know why, you know, why am I alive? Why did this combination of chromosomes come together to create me? These are unanswerable questions for which spirituality can help us have an answer. And when you when you find those moments where you feel fully integrated, you know, the thoughts, the spirit, the, the feelings, the heart, it's all together. And you can access this, this oasis, this kind of infinite sense of calm. I think that's spiritual. It's, it's a, it's a well of being when you can feel a kinship with a tree, or with a bird or any, any being that's alive, because you're all alive, that we all share this, this miracle of life that, that can't be answered by science. And so, you know, why is there a universe? Who knows? What is infinity? I mean, my God, I mean, if you start thinking about that, you're, you're, gonna, <laughs> you're never going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, those are the, 
I, yeah, I, I'm constantly um, calibrating, you know, new questions about it. Like, wow, like, <laughs> but um, you know, it's it it funny stuff aside. I mean, it's made me more. You know, the whole process. I'm more effect. I'm more effective. I'm more efficient with my time um, because you know I have a really good sense of why it's important and the joy that I want to spread, you know, this is, um, this is an infection. This is a virus that I want to spread. You know, I want people to enjoy and savor the moment of exercise. Like the fact that I am, I feel privileged to exercise and that because it's a privilege, like, you know, like, if, you know, my mom taking me to the Six Flags when I was younger, like I got a ticket to get on the roller coaster. You better enjoy that because that's not something you're going to get tomorrow. You know, you get to get that ride one time. And I, I want to spread that to the exercise world to say, savor this moment. And it can be hard. It can be easy. It can be whatever you want it to be. You, having an appreciation for it and not... Um, so focused on the numbers and the, the watch, uh, readings, you know? Um, so yeah, I uh, love it. Um, what did we miss? What did we miss? I, I'm just so in the moment here that I want to. Yeah. I'm having so much fun talking. <laughs> I just really love your energy and I love talking to someone who's like-minded and I'm really enjoying it too. I think we covered most of these issues, right? Mm -hmm. What are you, um, so you're working on the course now. Are you writing yes. too? Uh, yes. Well, I want to, so my thesis is really that mindfulness is the foundation for creating health in all the other pathways, you know, in, enjoying and savoring movement and, and taking fitness as far as any individual wants. You know, if you, your goal is to run marathon or do um, 100 mile endurance runs, that's great. If your goal is to walk around the block and feel great, that's great too. It's, it's individualized and joy is dependent on what is resonating with your heart. Then, you know, mindfulness in eating, how do we savor the foods that nourish us? How do we take a moment to enjoy that? Um, sleep, relationships, you know, I want to develop courses in each of these things, because I think conscious awareness and present um, pleasure, I mean, there's a lot of pleasure in being in the moment and being alive and cultivating that is, is a real key to creating this happiness and joy. So I want to write a book that looks at these different pillars and categories. So my first goal is to get the online courses launched and then I will write a book mm -hmm. to make it easy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, I think what it is is really a summation of a lot of lessons I've learned over 25, 30 year career of working in wellness and working with other people, trying to help them achieve more wellness and, and the lessons I really wanna share yeah. I think as you get older, you, it's very, you really want to share this information to help other people. Mm, yeah. Um, and then you're, um, are, do you do a lot of work, uh, I guess, in person? You mentioned some walking. Um, 
Oh, yes. Great. Oh, I forgot to mention. I've also created a Facebook group, which oh. anyone can join. So you can find me on Facebook. I think it's Mindful Moments. Um, mindful meditation, mindful living moments with Shirley or something like that. I don't know. Look for Shirley Archer. <laughs> you can find me. <laughs> something like that. But I, but every weekday, I'm offering a meditation. But I just started doing a talk yesterday, so I might offer a talk on one day. But really short. No, the longest is 15 minutes. I mean, sometimes it's five minutes, ten minutes, just to help people along with um, uh, to maintain a daily practice because it's really the training of the mind requires habit. Um, I recently got certified as a forest therapy guide, which is Shinrin Yoku or forest bathing, which I love. But the pandemic has made you know group activities a little challenging right now. So most of my teachings are with Zoom. But surprisingly, we can even do nature walks with Zoom that work quite well. And cool. you can, yes, it's amazing. So you can, we get on our smartphones and I can guide you with meditations and what we call in forest bathing, we call them invitations, you know, find a tree that's beckoning you and sit together with it for 10 minutes, you know, or um, float with the wind, you know, yeah, whatever. I've got a tree. I've got a tree. I hang out with these, you know. It's right on the park, at two blocks from my office. So, oh, most of us do have a very good tree friend. It's yeah. surprising once you start talking to people. <laughs> Trees are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, similar to um, you know, spirit animals. Like they, you know, they've they've seen a lot. That's that. That's what. That's the message that I get from you know. Um, I I love the term forest bathing. I I was recently just. Um, exposed to that as a term and I, it's it's just great I, <laughs> uh, so you can teach people how to get into those moments with with forest bathing. right basically it's yeah. just mindfulness in nature and you you start out with uh, meditation to help bring people into a different frame of mind and just we do a series of invitations in nature and it encourages direct experience of nature so you try to get out of the thinking and feeling the bark um, feeling the grass uh, smelling the scents uh, very sensory and direct it's a direct experience of nature and and then engaging with your um, how you feel in that moment and it's, it's very, very powerful, and they've done a lot of research around it. It was invented by the Japanese in the 1980s as a formal practice. I mean, people have been enjoying nature for since as long as there's been people, but, <laughs> but, but as a formal practice and as something where they measure blood pressure and cortisol levels and, and the three days in nature that the immune system benefits and creativity and all these findings have come as a result of the tremendous health benefits. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I could get, I could definitely get into that. I, I love that we can measure the health benefits of especially the immune system in nature. And that's a message that we're not hearing enough, especially here in the States that, you know, we have control over our immune system in, in, in many ways. And that, I mean, something as what, you know, 
walking outside and having a moment, you know, <laughs> can help you. And, you know, uh, so that's as little as 10 minutes. They just published a recent Cornell University study, 10 minutes, physical and mental health uh, benefits. They can document. Uh, that's amazing. Um, well, I, um, I feel like we got everything in and I just, you know, I just feel so warm and happy inside after talking to you. So thank you so much. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, any last, uh, pieces of information that we need from you? I think people know how to find me for yeah. my website, ShirleyArcher.com, and then they can find my courses or join the meditation group. And I'm happy to answer any questions. If people have questions, they can write to me. I'm pretty open to uh, responding. It's really my mission to help support people in their own journeys to create more health and wellness. You know, I'm a PTSD and trauma survivor, and I have overcome so many obstacles bad health and 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 here I am I feel great and I'm happy and I'm centered and grounded so you know I I don't come here never having had a bad day <laughs> yeah. had yeah. my share <laughs> yeah yeah that is good to remind people that you know this is um you don't you know you don't this isn't um all vanity work this is very much um a labor of love you know. Right, right. And, you know, I, I've had setbacks and challenges and people look at me and say, well, you've always been healthy. And yeah, and like, no. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, well, thank Which you means so it's much. available to everybody. Yes, 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 yes. It's available. We wake up with a new body every day, guys. Absolutely. And choosing... And new mind, new mindset. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your brain goes to you know, the, it gets a janitor every night when you fall into deep sleep and it, you know, it prunes. That's a funny thing about sleep. People think it's so passive and there's like a ton of activity going on in your brain when you're sleeping and it's to set you up for that new day. It's to set Absolutely. you up for fresh slate and, you know, decide that you're going to live out the potential of your body. That's, yes. that's, that's what we're trying to give you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for all you do, Jen. I mean, wow, what a gift you give to the community. Thank it's really you. a really a blessing. Good. Oh, thanks. That's nice to hear. Um, all right. Well, have a wonderful evening, I guess. You're going into your afternoon now. Okay. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care of yourself. Thank you so much for hanging out. With Shirley and I, I do hope to do that again and reconnect with her because she's just fabulous. And I love being with like with the smart people in the room. And she has the experience. She has been a part of groundbreaking research and teaching and sharing and being an advocate of mindfulness. And I think it's really funny to think about what her career was like 25, 30 years ago and trying to sell people on the idea that chronic stress is an unhealthy lifestyle and that it could contribute to comorbidities. And now it's just like thrown around um, and we spend money on these things without 
researching them and understanding where the information is coming from. So I, I am fascinated by that that I that conversation that we could have. Um, anyways, so thank you so much for being here this week. I have a quick announcement. So just a reminder that we have an offer for you guys to join a free webinar masterclass on upgrading your home exercise. And when I started my practice 10 years ago, the fitness world looked nothing like it does today, notably home-based workouts. Looking back, I had no idea how different my ideas of fitness were and how bad the advice is for 90% of programs on the market. I was determined to do things effectively and reach the deep wealth potential for physical fitness that I know lives within us. If you're working to overcome injuries and tightness and build strength through home-based workouts, I can imagine that we share a similar frustration for the lack of results that so many other systems promise. So that's why I wanted to present this webinar for you guys so that I can walk through fundamental exercises like the squat, lunge, push-up, burpee, plank to make these exercises more functional for you to increase strength, enabling you to recover from lingering old injuries or muscle tightness or just to be more effective overall. And this class you can sign up for on movementpathways.com check out the show notes. You can also leave us a, an audio message on maybe stuff that you're learning from the podcast or something you want to learn at speakpipe.com slash thinkfitbefit. I would be so excited to hear from you. And as always, check out thinkfitbefitpodcast.com and our social channels, thinkfitbefit underscore podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Have a wonderful week. And I look forward to hearing how you are thriving in your fitness.